Okay. Good afternoon. I have the lovely Phil with me. Hello, Phil. Would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Good afternoon. Uh, um, I'm just a regular guy. I'm a husband, a father of two. I've got a day job and very strangely, I sort of fell into writing probably, it was probably 11 years ago, I actually started to think about writing and then I, my first book was published in 2015 and I've just been sort of like writing ever since. So yeah, that's me in a nutshell. Did you always know that you wanted to write? No, not at all. I, um, it's like it came to me when I was on when I was on honeymoon uh, in 2010. So I'd had a few ideas about like short stories probably back in 2009, and I just played around with them and just thought, actually, you know, this is sort of quite fun. And then um, I got well, I was on honeymoon on a sun lounger in Mauritius, where I should have been thinking about oh, you know, sun cocktails, you know, all that sort of stuff, and. I just had this sort of idea about um, sort of like abductions, um, sort of high profile abductions that we've all seen around the world. And just started thinking, I wonder if I could sort of spin a tale where the abductions are a bit more sort of supernatural and involved things like vampires and sort of doorways to other realms. And I just sort of sat there for you know, two weeks, not constantly thinking about this. I mean, I had a new wife and, you know, we were enjoying ourselves. But, you know, like when you sat there and you're just enjoying the sun and you're chilling out, it just sort of, you know, these little ideas kept dropping into my head. And then I think when I got back, um, I just started to write things down. And then it sort of took about three or four years to actually write that book because, you know, children came along and life happened and, I would just spend, you know, like a couple of hours, like, you know, like every week or every other week, just sort of like trying to write stuff down. And then it got to a point where I'd finished it and thought, okay, well, it's done. And I didn't really know what to do with it. And then a friend that lives over the road from where I am now, um, she'd just written a book. She's like a retired GP. And she said, she'd like written a memoirs. And then Angie said, uh, you know, he's written a book as well. And I went, oh, I don't say anything because it, he's probably awful and you know it's just a little like a guilty pleasure um and then she said well yeah you have to publish it you have to publish it and that's and that's sort of what I did I didn't have a clue what I was doing I still probably don't to be honest but yeah that's what I did and that's how it all began and then as we said before you've got a new book out on Monday um so what number book is that so that's that's called Ashes of Innocence. That will be my sixth book that I've ever released. So it was previously self-published uh, about 18 months ago, I think I first self-published it. Um, and it did okay. You know, it got some really good feedback. Um, and then I thought, well, it's been self-published. It sort of sat there on its own. It doesn't really have its own home. Um, what shall I do with it? And then, of course, I saw last year that Spellbound was starting up and thought, okay, I'll... I'll uh, test the water and you know, sent it off and they said, yeah, we really like it. Um, so, yeah, that will be the sixth book that I've had released. I've got five previous books with like another publisher. So they're like my uh, vampire-y sort of horror-y ones. And there's a, 
there's a sci-fi book as well, which is like a one-off that I did. Uh, so that's still sat with them. And then it will be book six coming out again on Monday. Book seven, I think, is in June. That's called His Dark Shadow. Book eight, which is called The Retreats, I think is due out sometime in the autumn. So it's a busy year. Because 2021 was was really not busy. I didn't release anything. You know, we were going through what we're going through. And I just thought, well, if I'm not going to release anything, at least I need to, you know, keep active. So I've just been writing when I can. And these ones are more psychological, aren't they? You've moved away from your um, supernatural sort of genre. Yeah, I mean, I love writing these sort of, you know, the vampire ones because I grew up with sort of Stephen King, Salem's Lots, you know, that's probably showing my age, but that was what I loved when I was a kid. So when I started writing, that's all I wanted to write. And I enjoyed writing them, but then I got to a point where I thought, well, I would like to try something sort of different. And I've got author friends, um, for example, like Sue Watson, who, you know, is in the sort of like writing community. She wrote, you know, uh, sort of like romantic, you know, uh, comedies and, you know, like quite lighthearted stuff. And then she suddenly switched to psychological thrillers and she did it really, really well. So, you know, perhaps that's where I'm going to sort of head that way for a bit. I don't know how long I'll head that way. I may end up doing something else, you know, not, uh, you know, with cookery books and I don't think I'm really cut out for like erotica, but yeah, I'll probably stick with this genre for a bit. Um, if you were to take a character out from any of the books you've written so far, who would you choose and what would you ask them? Well, that's a good one. Um, I'd probably take Will Faust. He was in my first books and he was from another realm. So he suddenly got mixed up with this whole vampire sort of thing. And the hero of the book's called Jake. They sort of become really close, but um, he's a really sort of oldie worldy, simple character, but quite dry wit. And yeah, I'd just probably like to have a conversation with him to say, how does it compare now that you're, you know, got club card points instead of having to go and hunt your own meals. And yeah, I'm sure wherever he is, he's happy and he would be great company. And if you were to be picked up and transported as a character into any of your books, which book would you choose? Well, that's not a very good choice because generally the characters in my books don't have a really nice time. They normally end up dead or go through trauma. I'd probably say the first book unknown because, you know, if somebody opened the doorway in a forest to a to like a magical land filled with vampires and monsters, yeah, it'd be terrifying, but certainly be worth a trip, wouldn't it? I just have yeah. to make sure I'm fully equipped with everything I'd need to survive, you know, Mars bars and stakes and crucifixes. Maybe the wrong priorities. Perhaps you need to reverse the priorities there. I see Mars bars are obviously. <laughs> I need to eat, don't I? And I'm not going to hunt, you know, I'm just not going for that. So, yeah. Yeah, so that's probably what we choose. <laughs> Um, if you were to fictionally murder someone, how would you do it? Oh, God. Uh, is this being recorded? 
Uh, I don't know. I mean, fictionally, um, fictionally is fine. Totally absolves you of any guilt. I'd probably just shoot them, or you know, something quick. I, you know, I couldn't do something slow, torturous, or strangle someone because that takes time and an effort. If somebody just gave me a gun and said, "Shoot that bad guy," okay, that's that's probably you know the limit. I'm probably not inventive where I'd want to sort of have them in a room chained up with like you know, like saw when like a circular saw comes down from the top and slices them in half. No, just you know, quick shot, dead, move on. We're very different in this, I think. <laughs> very different to what I would do, but anyway. <laughs> okay, I best not get on your wrong side then. I'm lovely, just yeah. <laughs> and if you were fictionally murdered, who would you want to investigate your case? Oh, um, probably Gina Hart from uh, Carla Kovacs's uh, detective novels because she might not always be the happiest, you know, sort of detective, but she would get the job done. And she always likes cake. So, you know, I know that she'd prioritise me probably in between the cake or after the cake. So I know that she'd crack the case and she'd, you know, be full of sugar doing it. Um, out of all the books you've written so far, what's the most fun thing you've written and what was the most difficult? The most fun thing was probably with the vampire books because there was no, well, very little research needed because it was literally my own world I could create. So there was a bit of research for stuff in this world, like, you know, old clocks and old cameras and a bit of Google Earth, because I'm quite well-travelled, um, but there were places that I've not been to that I needed to look at, places like Puerto Rico, so I had to go into you know, Google Earth and look at all that. So that was fun, but it isn't as easy as just having this world that you created and when you can just do whatever you want and no one will really sort of question. So that's the fun part. Um what was the other part you did ask me? I've just got <laughs> the most difficult. Uh, probably when you've got a character that's a police officer. So in the new book, The Retreat, uh, there's more police officers in that than generally my other books. So you have to do some sort of research on sort of like you know, the correct wording, you know, because it isn't going to be all right, you're nicked and down the station. You need to know what they will say. Um, how the sort of procedures would sort of work. So, yeah, that's the trickier part. And there's a good Facebook page called uh, Cops and Writers where you can go in and ask questions. So, um, yeah, that's, I mean, it's enjoyable, but that's when you know that I've got to get this right and you need to tr perhaps run it by a few people so they can say, yeah, that's sort of plausible because if it's not plausible, then you just go into either lose your audience or you'll get scathing reviews saying this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. What's the most interesting thing you found out doing research or what's the biggest research rabbit hole you've fallen down? Well, I'm a bit of a, a bit of a sci-fi nerd. So when I wrote Zoo, which is you know, the sci-fi book, I've already loved watching things like Carl Sagan, you know, Brian Cox, but I had to research things like wormholes and, 
warp drive and sort of um, how could you get from one point in space to the other light years away, you know, instantaneously. So I spent quite a lot of time trying to sort of like figure that out. And then it's not until you figure all that stuff out, which is stuff that I already sort of knew that you think really there's just so much here. So like when you watched, I don't know, say if you watch Star Wars and the Millennium Falcons going at light speed and you think, wow, that's super fast. Really, it's not. It's not going to get you anywhere fast. So I had to sort of, you know, make sure that all the stuff that was in that book would sort of theoretically sort of hold up if someone was a bit of a sci-fi geek as well reading it. They're not just going to go, this is just, this is dreadful. So, yeah, that was a bit time consuming and I got a bit lost in that one. Did you find writing the um, sort of more police and psychological books harder um, or did you enjoy it just as much? I think I enjoyed it. There is that that edge to it that, you know, you've got to get this right. So, I mean, generally in the books that I, I write, it's more about the characters that are doing the good or the bad things and there may be sort of police officers sort of on the fringes so with ashes of innocence it's a story about you know fundamentally two or three characters sort of sort of john lottie and sean so really it's even though it's told in a third person it really centers on them and then you do get you know uh, police officers in there but you just need to try and make sure that you know they sound believable and someone's not going to read it and go well this just is clearly just absolute rubbish but yeah i generally tend to focus on you know the characters themselves i don't think i'd be able to do you know Kakala kovac and write purely about you know police because i just i just haven't got that experience um, and background so i'll stick to you know uh, killing people with you know various implements and all the stuff that goes with that <laughs> When you're editing your books, what's your most obvious word or phrase? Well, when I edited the one book a few years ago, um, I just was editing it and I just did like a find to sort of see what words I could sort of change. And I think I'd put said in there about 1,260 times. <clears throat> but right, okay, this, this isn't great. So I had to literally go through the whole thing again and try to replace said with she replied or she counted or he chirped in or he piped up or yeah. So that's when you write, you're sort of a bit blind to it. Um, and it's not until you go back and you go, wow, really? Yeah. Ouch. Although I hear different things about that. Like sometimes people say you should use said because people just, gloss over it because they expect to see it and then other people say you should try and use different words so I don't know what's right in that it's very confusing yeah I don't know if there's <laughs> yeah, is like a right or wrong answer you've just got to do what you think's right and then you know at some point editors and proofreaders will pick it up and if they think it's a you know they know what they're doing I just you know, sit and write the thing um have you made lots of author friends since you started writing? Yeah, um, you know, from the start, there was there was always sort of sort of like author friends that are sort of like met online, and then you know some of them sort of drift away. I mean that's normal, and you know you sort of 
you know, I've got author friends from the very start that aren't really authors anymore, but I'm still friends with them. But it was maybe their one book and then they went off and did something else. But certainly over the years, I've met some really, really good friends, sort of like in person as well, that, you know, are class as true friends. And it's largely a great community. And, you know, there's people like AJ Griffiths Jones, who's a really lovely friend, you know, Carla and Brooke. I'm probably going to miss people out, but, you know, people like Julia Sutton, who's a fantastic author, you know, so it's, it is great because they all support you and they pull around you. And, you know, that's, you know, that's really, really good to see, you know, for that, it is a really supportive community. Do you get a lot of feedback from readers? Um, not really, just the reviews, really. I mean, um, I don't really hear from readers. I mean, I'm probably not at that stage where readers would email. I'm, I'm not um, like a big time author. I'm just, you know, sort of finding my way. So, yeah, I don't really hear um, maybe from ARC readers when I send it out as a sort of draft and then they may say, well, actually, that isn't really correct. Can you go and have a look at that? Or, you know, so, yeah, it's generally the reviews and the ARC readers where I get my feedback. Have you ever had any weird or strange feedback in your reviews? Um, yeah, so for the um, for the sci-fi one, so when it was published, my publisher, um, Wisdom, decided to classify it as a young adult book. But it's not young adult, so there's, you know, there's a bit of sex in it, there's lots of swearing, there's lots of you know, deaths, some of them quite grisly. And I had some reviews from the States saying, man, this guy drops the F-bomb every 10 seconds. I thought this was for kids. So I think I had to go back to my publisher and say, this was never meant for like 13-year-old kids. This is an adult book. So, um, yeah, I've had I've had that sort of feedback. I've also had a few people uh, contact me saying that I, I portrayed them in a book as a crackhead and the FBI is going to be uh, like knocking on my door. So you get that from time to time. You'll get somebody that will sort of say something like that. But generally, it's, it, you know, it's largely positive. Oh, oh FBI on your door. <laughs> you must be doing yeah. something bad. <laughs> yeah, perhaps you thought I was in America. You know, you know, she said, well, it's probably going to be like, you know, MI5 or, you know, you know, the police. Not, yeah, FBI. It's a bit strange. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think they could be asked really. <laughs> I'm sure they've got much no. more important things to be worrying about. <laughs> yeah, I think so. If you're able to spend a day with any author, dead or alive, who would you like to spend a day with? Ernest Hemingway. Purely because he was a great author. He was a man from a bygone time. I mean, yes, a lot of people wouldn't probably agree with with his hunting you know he used to go to Africa and shoot big game but he was just an adventurer you know and he wrote books and I would quite like to spend an afternoon with him down on the Florida Keys drinking like mojitos whilst looking out at the you know the water just chatting about stuff and um, if you were to eat, to meet any author now who would you most fanboy over Probably, um, 
I mean, I've met indie authors and I'll generally fanboy over them and probably look a bit stupid. But if I was to meet one author, it would still be Stephen King. I'd love to meet Stephen King and just sort of just sort of sit there like a sort of gibbering idiot telling him how much I've loved all his books all over the years. And yeah, that would be, uh, yeah, that'd be a very interesting, interesting conversation. Yeah, I would probably just be completely starstruck. Did you see his panel at Bloody Scotland with Linwood Barclay? Say that again, sorry. Did you see his panel at Bloody Scotland with Linwood Barclay? No. It was um, it was a hybrid festival, so you could have watched it. Um, him and Linwood Barclay were comparing toilet stories. All right, okay, lovely. Yeah, so you know, just if you you know, we all put Stephen King on this pedestal, and then um, yeah, he was comparing toilet stories with Linwood Barclay. It was very funny <laughs> and very bizarre. <laughs> that probably just shows he's still a normal sort of guy, even if he's you know a multi-million selling author. Yeah, he was sitting there in some Scottish football, I want to say, football shirt as well. So, you know, he's just cool, <laughs> classy yeah. guy. Yeah, he certainly is. If you're able to travel to any period of time, either forwards or backwards, where would you like to go to? Oh, um, I mean, I'd like to have said the future because that would be cool, but... I'd like to go back to the sort of when we started setting out and journeying. So sort of like, you know, 16th century where, you know, we were going to far flung places like, you know, Southern Africa and exploring the sort of, you know, the wilderness and there's pirates and <clears throat> adventure on the high seas. And that would have been quite fun. I could quite see myself on like a galleon sort of shape, you know, sailing around this, you know, the Cape of Good Hope and just having a sort of jolly good time. With lots of rum. Um, what's the funniest or strangest place you've ever woken up? Uh, it's probably when I was in, because I went travelling years ago and I went to Namibia, which is in the southern west sort of part of Africa, so right down by South Africa. And we were at a car for 10 days with my girlfriend and we sort of drove around the country and we stayed in a camp in the middle of the Namib desert and when we got there they said well there's your sort of like your like accommodation and it was like a bamboo sort of apex sort of frames so we slept in there it was very uncomfortable there was no mattress so you had to sleep in your sleeping bag I didn't sleep at all well and when I woke up in the morning and sort of shuffled my way to the edge of the sort of frame and you know to get out there was elephant pads all around where we were was elephant pads next to my car and I was like wow they must have walked through in the middle of the night heard me snoring and then just ran off <laughs> Lucy didn't scare him enough to wake you up and attack you or anything <laughs> no but I'm glad the elephants were there because they you know probably would have kept the lions away so that was a you know that was a good thing <laughs> Awesome. That sounds really cool. Um, you said at the beginning that you were widely travelled. So is there anywhere that you haven't been that you'd love to go to? I've never been to America. So I've never been west. I've always gone east or south or north. So 
somewhere where I'd love to go. I'd love to go to places like I'd love to go to New York. I just it just looks magical whenever you see it on you know, like on the movies and stuff. Somewhere like San Francisco, um, I'd love to go there. But I'd love to go to like the Midwest and just go into a bar in a cowboy hat where there's a pool table and just sit at the bar just drinking beer. I'd, I'd probably be in my element. That would be great. Until you spoke and then all the weird Americans were just like, oh, my God, <laughs> cheesy British person <laughs> invading our... <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah. So I'd have to have an escape plan. They love our accent. I've been, I've only been to Florida um, and it was, I mean, it was awesome. But um, as soon as they know you're British, they're like, oh my God. And yeah, it's bad. Yeah. yeah at some point, sometime I will get there. So that's, you know, the one thing I would like to you know, go is to travel to North America. I mean, even South America, because I'd love, you know, I'd love to go to places down there. So that'd be great. So fingers crossed. If I was to ask your darling wife or those closest to you what your most annoying habit is, what would they say? Um, oh, probably be that. So that's an electronic cigarette. So actually, um, yeah, they, they hate that. So that's just, that's my one. Well, it's probably, there's others that I'm sure I can't remember at the moment. But yeah, that's probably the one is, is I do vape. Who was, your, <laughs> who was your first celebrity crush? Oh, now this is going back a little bit. So, I mean, probably Sammy James from Tiz Was. Now, some people might not know who that is, but in the sort of late 70s and early 80s, there was a Saturday morning show called Tiz Was, which was just carnage. It was people hitting people with custard pies and the phantom flanflinger and it was mental but Sally James was like the co-host with Chris Tarrant and it was funny how you know my dad was always watching it with me and I didn't realize at the time I just thought she was gorgeous and then years gone by everyone sort of said oh yeah Sally James just sit there on a Saturday morning with my dad you know for support and it was like no he was just ogling her because she was beautiful so that was the first one <laughs> I'm going to have to look her up, actually. One person I don't really know. I know the name, but I don't really, can't picture her, so. Yeah, I mean, she's probably 70 now, so um, I'd have to Google her later. <laughs> um, do you want to tell us a little bit more about Ashes of Innocence? Can I put spoilers in? Do I need to uh, try and, you know, a light touch? I mean, it's your book. It's do whatever you wish <laughs> okay so it's a story about um adoption so i won't give too much away but um one of the main characters john wilson is fighting in afghanistan at the start he's part of the royal marines and his wife uh, and daughter are living in birmingham and they go shopping in the sort of like in the city sort of center like a shopping mall and um the daughter gets abducted by two brothers. Um, so we'll fast forward that part, but then obviously something quite bad happens. And then John has to come home from Afghanistan to realise that his family's been torn apart and his world's been turned upside down. And then it's it's about, you know, it's like about him, how he comes to terms with his grief and also how he adapts to civilian life now. 
So, you know, he has to get a job and, you know, like he's, it's all really new for him. I almost let something slip then. I didn't, it's all really new for him. Um, and then it also focuses on the sort of, you know, the two brothers and their trajectory through the next sort of 12 years, the bookies, you know, the book spans 12 years. And also the, you know, the boy's mother who, um, she's quite a large character in it at the start. You know, you don't really sort of think she's a nice person. She's, you know, into all sorts of things, but she tries to rebuild her life afterwards. And um, it's, it's quite sort of gritty in places. And I've tried to sort of set it in various parts of the UK. So there's some that's set in sort of Birmingham. There's some that's set in Scotland and, um, it's quite fast paced, especially in sort of areas, but then, it, you know, like it does sort of slow itself down, um, you know, to focus on the characters. But I really writing it. I was quite proud when I sort of released that because I thought, you know what, this is completely different to anything I've ever done before, but really, really worthwhile doing it. Well, I'm on the blog tour for it. So I'm looking forward to reading it and reviewing it for you at some point. I don't know when, soon I've got a list that's like this of blog tours so yeah we've all got we've all got this TBR list that keeps growing and growing and growing well I've got TBR list which is like and then blog tour list they're they're two separate things for me I can't remember the last time I picked up a book that I wanted to read that like through my own choice instead of thinking I've got to read this one next because it's next on the list yeah, I know. I know. We're all in that same boat. Good job, we love it, really, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Well, you may be relieved to know that I don't have any more questions for you unless you think there's anything I haven't asked you that you want to tell us. Right, OK. That that seems to have whizzed past. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. It does. So, no, I don't think I've got any questions for you, apart from what you're having for tea later. You know what? I actually have no idea at the minute. I want for heaters, but it means I have to go buy wraps and I can't be asked to leave the house. So. <laughs> okay, I'm not sure what we're having yet. I think my wife's coming back from the supermarket in about an hour, so we'll go from there. Awesome. Well, before we go, would you like to tell everyone where they can find out more about you and where they can get your books from? Okay, well, I mean, I'm on Amazon, so if you type my name in, you'll sort of you know you'll see my books you'll see my amazon page i mean i'm on facebook twitter instagram not tiktok i don't really like doing that or the dancing stuff but yeah uh, yeah i'm on sort of like the sort of like writing community sort of circuit i suppose you'd call it or you know the community um so probably uh, facebook is probably the best place to find me and um if anyone you know is on the fiction cafe page or, you know, they see spellbound stuff or just general, you know, book pages. I'm generally sort of on there. So, you know, they should be able to find me and, you know, sort of think. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, Donna. It's been a lovely afternoon chatting with you. Mm -hmm.